everybody, and a very big welcome to you. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Pastor Craig, and we find ourselves in part five of the Faith, Hope, and Love series. If you haven't already done so and you haven't listened to the rest of the series, I want to encourage you. The host will be putting up a link right now in the chat room, and you can go ahead and listen to the rest of that series and get up to speed with us as we come to the end of this Faith, Hope, and Love series. A big welcome to you if you're joining us on the online platform, and a very big welcome to you if you're joining us here in the room. It's awesome to have you with us here today as we continue our journey into Faith, Hope, and love. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump straight into the Word and see what the Lord has in store for us this midweek service. Father, we thank you so very much for all that you're doing in us. Thank you for growing us. Thank you for stretching us. Thank you for making us better people. Father, thank you for loving us just as we are, but loving us more, wanting us to become more, wanting us to grow into something more. Father, thank you that you have a more for us, that you have something else in store for us. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for giving us and taking away, giving us life and taking away death. Father, thank you for all that you do. We love you. You are our God, and there is no other. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you remember correctly, in the Faith, Hope, and Love series, as we've developed this theme out as regards what it means to have faith, to have hope, and to have love, our overarching premise has been that, you know what, God will never expect anything from you unless He's already given it to you. He's not going to ask you to do something. He's not going to ask you to give of something. He's not going to ask you to get involved with something unless He's given you everything you need to do that thing. Everything that you need has been provided to you to have the abundant life that God wants to give to you. And we have a look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And for those of you who might be opening up your Bible or going on to the version Bible application, the Bible book of 1 Corinthians is kind of halfway through the second half of the Bible. But in that scripture of 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this, Three things will remain forever, faith, hope, and love. Three things will always be there, no matter what we're doing, no matter what's going on, no matter we arrive in heaven or we don't have a heaven or you don't believe in heaven, you as an individual are going to thrive on three things, faith, hope, and love. Now, we've been having a look at what it means to have faith, what it means to, to get up and go, that, that, that moment where you realize you have to step into something, where you have to press into something, where you have to try and get going. You've been in a situation, but you know you don't want to be in that situation anymore, so you get this, this desire to do something about it. That's a start of faith, when you actually get up and you want to do something with your situation to improve it and to get moving. Sometimes you know that you want to improve your situation, but you have no idea where you're going. You just know that you have to get up and change your current situation. Maybe that's stepping out and changing your job. Maybe that's changing the way you relate to your wife or to your husband. Maybe that's becoming a better brother or a sister. You know that you haven't been the right person. You know that you haven't been doing the right thing, but you really want to get up and you want to change that situation. You really want to do something differently with your life. That's, that's the faith kickstart. But then when you get into the weeds and you start having to walk out that change, when you start having to keep going through that change, when you now have to 
hold on to the fact that you might need to get a better job and you, you have to go to multiple job interviews and you have to keep on going and walking that out to find what that next thing is that got you moving towards that, that now you're going to have to have some hope because hope is going to help you continue. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 3, a, little, a book a little bit further on from 1 Corinthians, tells us that, that that hope that we have in us will help us endure. So we know already as human beings that we need some faith and that we need some hope. And today and next session, we're going to be taking a look at the third element that we as humans need to thrive and grow. As human beings, no matter your belief structure, no matter what deity you believe in, no matter where you are, whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, faith's important to you, hope is important to you, and being loved and being able to love others is important to you. It's something that you're going to need as a human being to thrive and grow. Love is a crazy, crazy thing. When we think of love, we think of our, our puppy love or, or that time that we first decided that we were in love and, and we, we might be, have been going out with our high school sweetheart or, or, or somebody down the road or in our neighborhood or, or somebody that we looked across a crowded room at a prom or at a dance or something we went to and we look at this girl on Facebook and on Instagram and she is the one that we want to love and we, we think that the desires that well up in our 16-year-old heart is love. Love is, is something that's, that's really crazy. It's a crazy emotion. It's a crazy thing. Love. But man, we need it. It's something that hurts us, but something that we desire so intrinsically in our psyche. It, when, we, when we know that we are loved, we know that we belong. When we know that we are loved, we feel free to become who we are. And the situation with God and man is no different. You see, when we take our puppy love and we escalate that to kind of divine or, or, or the spiritual level, we realize that that love, that needing to know who we are and where we belong and that we are accepted and we are loved by a greater being, by a greater deity, that we belong on this planet and we have a purpose is actually intrinsically wound into our desire to be loved. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a beautiful wife that I love dearly and on a on a, on, a, on a physical and in a worldly and in an in a earthly environment, I know that I need to do certain things with the gift of love that she's given me. I can't just expect her to know that she's loved because I told her that I love her on my wedding day. I can't say, well, I love you and, and if it changes, I'll let you know. No, I need to be with the gift of love. She loved me. I need to do something with that to let her know that she's appreciated, that she is part of my life, that I, my love continues to grow for her. And hopefully she's taking the responsibility of the love that I give her by responding to her love in the same way, that she's also looking to do things to affirm that I love her and she loves me and that we're working together to build this thing called marriage. Now, if we escalate that into understanding how God relates to human beings, how God relates to you, the same is true. If God loves us, 
there's obviously something we need to do with that love to return our love to Him. And what He's going to do with that is He's going to steward that return of love and He's going to do something with it back to us. And we get into this divine circle of love. And I, and I know that you know what I'm talking about because if you know anything about being in a relationship with somebody that you love and that loves you, you know that you get into little rhythms, little quirky things that you do to let each other know that you love each other and that that love has not disappeared. I know that when, when I go on a date night with my wife, that the, the cologne that I put on is the one that she bought me for Christmas. And only she gets that cologne. Only she gets that smell. And, and, and that's how I let her know that, hey, not only do I appreciate your gift, I take the gift and the love behind the gift very seriously. It's little quirky things like that that we do to let each other know that we love each other and what we've had done to us, we appreciate, and it's actually going to change how we live our lives. Love from God is no different. When we receive this gift of love, it is to change us. It is to have little quirky things that we do to let Him know that we love Him. If we call Jesus Christ the Word, and we call the Bible the Word, then God sent His only begotten Son so that we could have life. He gave it out of love. He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God would never expect anything from you unless He's already given it to you. So if He's given you His love in the form of Jesus Christ, He is expecting for us to respond or do something with that gift of love. It's not just good enough to walk around and say, I love my wife, if I'm not doing anything to show her that I love her. It's not good enough for my wife to walk around and say she loves me if she's not doing anything with the gift of love that I have given her or vice versa. So it's not good enough to walk around saying, don't worry, God loves me or I love God and do nothing with that gift. God will never expect anything from you unless he's already given it to you. And he's already given us that gift of love. So the discussion today really is, what are the quirky little things that exist between you and God that show you that He loves you and show Him that you love Him? What are those little things we're going to do to make sure that He's given us this immense gift of love? And you might be thinking to yourself, but Craig, God doesn't really love me. I'm way too far gone for God to love me. I've, I've done too many things. I've said too many things. Maybe I've put too many chemicals in my body. I'm so addicted to this or that. Well, that's the very reason why God gives you His love, so that you can respond by lifting your life up out of from wherever it is and changing your circumstance to better respond to that love that God has given you. And He has lavished it on us. He hasn't just given us a little bit of love. He doesn't just have a date night once a week with us. He doesn't just have a romantic meal every now and then on our anniversary with His love. No, He does so much more than that. In fact, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 says this, What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. That's who we really are. 
But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea what he is or who he is or what he is up to. That's how the Message Bible puts that scripture. You see, it's unconceivable to some people that God could love them. They have no idea what he's up to. That's kind of the surprise of God's romance. Is, is we have no idea what he's up to, but we know he loves us. So he must be up to good. Well, there's a scripture that tells us that he's always up to good. He's always working for our good. He's always romancing us. He's always letting us know that he loves us. I just have to walk out here, and after the heavy rains we've had in this region, see the beautiful sun in a blue sky, and I know that God loves this waterlogged pastor. The fact remains is, is that there are so many things that let us know that God loves us. He's always doing something. But we can get into a place like the world where we don't know what he's up to. We don't see God in our lives. We don't see how He's loving us. But He is lavishing that love on us, whether we know about it or not. He fills us up. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5 says this, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers... This is Paul talking now, a guy who wrote a lot of the New Testament. He says, the reason I've written all this, this Bible, the reason I've written all these messages is so that you would be filled with love. Filled with love. Now, you take a glass and you, and you put it underneath a tap of water and you let the water fill the glass. Is the love coming from the glass? Is the water coming from the glass? No, it's being filled. The source is the tap, well, not really. The source goes further back than that. The tap and the pipe work that brings that water to that glass is all a mechanism of dispatching or dispensing the source of that water into your glass. And so when we look at it, when we are able to love somebody else, we have this water that we can give away to somebody else. The source is not us. We're just the glass. We, we've just got... We've just got the sense of loving others in our lives. And have you ever wondered where that comes from? Well, you're being filled up with the love of God. God has given you something. God will never, ever expect something from you unless He's giving something to you. And so when He's given us this love, when He's given us this source, when, he's, when He said, yes, <coughs> that is the love that I have for you, well then, hey, there's something that we need to do with that love. That water changes that glass. It makes the glass heavier. It has something inside it. It makes it wet. It does something to that glass that changes the nature of that glass. An empty glass, when you're thirsty, is no good to you. An empty glass that is, that is empty, that has not got anything in it, is really just good for one thing. That's to take it out of the dishwasher and put it on the shelf. But when we are filled with water... On a hot day, we become functional. We become something that we can be used. We, we, we now, this glass is now something desired. There's something about a, a glass of ice water with that condensation on the outside when you've just come in from, from mowing the lawn or, or you've just worked really hard or you're working out and you, and you, and you build up a thirst. There's something about a, a full glass of water that just looks good. But you see, when we as human beings become that vessel and we are filled with love from the true source, we become better. We change. 
And that's how we respond to God's love. God is expecting you to change with the love that He's filled you up with. He's expecting you to become useful. He's expecting you to tell a story about a beautiful God that loves human society. And have a look at this. When we get this vessel that's filled with love, that scripture tells us that we will have a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine, interestingly, faith. You see, when we are filled with love, we respond to God, the, the, the process, the byproduct of God's love being inside of us is that we're going to have a pure heart, we're going to have a clear conscience, and we're going to have genuine faith. In other words, when we receive this love from God, that condemnation, that hurt, that guilt, that angst, that animosity, that, that pain that you have in your, in your conscience that constantly pricks you and says you're doing the wrong thing, you're not good enough, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do this, you're not good enough, that conscience will be cleared. It will be washed clean. Isn't that what Scripture tells us? We are washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is the fact that Jesus came and was willing to die for you, which was the ultimate gift of love. So when we talk about Jesus washing you clean and cleaning your conscience and cleaning you up on the inside, it means, quite frankly, that God's biggest gift of love is going to be your biggest moment of cleanup. Your biggest moment of makeover on the inside of who you are and how you feel comes from the biggest gift of love. Love is a changing agent. It makes me do different things. It makes me put on a different cologne. It makes me double check that my shaving is good when I, when I go to have a date night with my wife. It makes me do different things. And when this love is poured out, my conscience is cleaned. I'm going to change my demeanor. Now, because of this love, I don't have just a clear conscience. I have a godly conscience. I'm aware of what makes God happy. I'm aware of what cologne I should wear to make my wife happy when I'm walking in the love. When I'm walking in God's love, I become more aware of what makes Him happy, of what, what makes Him smile. What, what show, and all of the things that I will do to make Him happy are going to be good things are going to be character-building things, are going to be free from addiction things, are going to be things that build others up and build me up. And when that love starts to flow in my life, I'm going to have a clear conscience, I'm going to have a pure heart, and I'm going to have genuine faith. You tell me somebody that has got a, a pure heart, a clear conscience, and has genuine faith in your life, and you're probably going to be respecting that person. You're probably going to be looking at somebody that, that has got a clear conscience and a genuine pure heart and, and, and a wonderful ability to get up and go in life. And you're probably going to be admiring that person. Well, that's what the love of God does to you. Even if you're in a situation where you don't have a clear conscience, you feel like you don't have a pure heart and that you have no desire to get up and go because you're tied to an addiction, you're tied to a way of life. God's love will pick you up, will change you, and will give you those things. That's how we respond to God, with genuine faith. And so I thought it would be good for us to take a look very quickly 
at what does this love, through a clear conscience, a pure heart, and genuine faith, what does this love do to us that God is expecting for us to change, for God is expecting for us to do? And the first thing that came to mind was, was based on Psalm 136, verse 1. In fact, the whole chapter of Psalm 136 has this concept right the way through. But in verse 1 to 3, it summarizes it. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And then it goes on in verse 2. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. So item number one in your life, if you're responding to God's love, is that you will believe above everything else that God will never stop loving you. God's love endures with you forever. You can't stop God loving you. He is completely, blindly sold out and wowed by you. He is so in love with you that you couldn't do anything wrong in His eyes. That's because He looks at you through the lens of Jesus Christ who did nothing wrong. So when He looks at you, He's not looking at your faults and your issues and your bad conscience and your impure heart and your wrong motives and your addictions and your lust. No, He's looking at you through a perfect lens and He sees you perfectly. It's the ultimate Snapchat filter. He looks at you through the ultimate Snapchat filter. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about? The, the, the Snapchat filter that puts makeup on your face and makes you look thinner and takes away all the blemishes of your face. That Snapchat filter, that's what God looks at you at in the spiritual sense. He looks at you through a filter called Jesus Christ. And He looks at you and when He sees you, He sees the love of His life. He sees you through the love lens. And that will never change. Whether you believe in Jesus Christ or not, He loves you. Whether you've accepted Jesus Christ or not, He loves you. Whether you're in the doldrums, whether you're depressed and you can't get up in the morning, He loves you. Whether right now you're thinking about taking another fix, getting hold of your dealer to get more dope or whatever it is that you take as your drug of choice, whether you're doing that right now, he loves you. Whether you've come to this website from a porn site, it's okay. He loves you. Whether you're thinking of doing harm to your neighbor right now, whether you're thinking of how bad racially you're in, whatever space you're in politically, whatever, wherever you're thinking, He loves you right now. He wants to lavish more love on you because His expectation from you is that you improve your life that you have a better life. That's the only expectation He has for you. He wants to see you get better. He wants to see you made whole. And as a result, He gives you His love while you are yet in the hole. Does that make sense? While you are yet sinning, while you are yet doing this or thinking that, He loves you. And He wants you to know today that that love will never change. The second area that love will change you, apart from giving you a, an impression that God loves you right where you're at, the second thing He's going to do, this love is going to do for you, is it's going to free you. God's love is freedom. Now, I looked at the scripture in Exodus chapter 34, verse 14. Exodus is the second book in the Bible, so it's really early on in explaining to people what God felt about them. And this scripture always puzzled me. 
Exodus 34 verse 14 says this, You must worship no other gods for the Lord, but for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous. He is a God who is jealous about His relationship with you. Let me tell you something. I'm very jealous about the love that my wife has for me. I want her, her, her love to be directed to me and me alone. Because you see, when, when we direct our love in the right direction, then we start going in the right direction. When you direct your divine, supernatural love to God, your life is going to start working through things. This is why it's freedom. How, how is loving God, this jealous God, freedom? Well, here's the deal. When we love other things in our lives and set those other things up in our lives as gods, you know what I mean. You've got to have that fix. You've got to have that thing. I can't do this because I have to do that. As soon as you have to do anything, because when it's not God, it's not good. You, you have to stay at home. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do the other. Because those things have become gods in your life. You started loving those things, even though you still say you love God. And now you become divided. God wants your full attention because He knows that if you give Him your full attention in love and respond to His love fully, it will go better with you. You will be able to detach from the things that keep you bound up. He's jealous for your love, for your good. He's jealous to have you focus on Him so that you can have a better life. Because as soon as we become attached to these other addictions, these other strongholds, these other thoughts of negativity, these other processes in our lives, these other teachings that the world has given us, as soon as we become attached to those things, we become bound. Look at the results of the things that those things have brought into your life already. Has it brought strife into your life? Loving yourself as opposed to loving other people? Has it brought bitterness into your life? Not being able to forgive like God's love enables us to forgive. Has it brought other issues into your life, not doing it the way God's love asks us to do it? Yes, it has. You are bound to those things. As soon as I become focused to this jealous God who wants me to love Him and Him alone and worship Him and Him alone, it frees me up from all of these things. It releases me from all of these things. It makes me free from all of these things. And as a result, I am free in God's love. Does that make sense? And that's why that scripture in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14 tells me that God is jealous. He's not jealous of me like a green-eyed monster. No, he's jealous because he knows that if I focus on him, it will go better with me. The third thing that this love does to me is that it elevates me. It lifts me up. The challenge is, is sometimes we are so low in our own thinking of ourselves that we can't believe that we could ever step up. We can't believe that we could ever be anything more than what we want. So when God gives you His love, He's expecting from you to lift yourself up, to use that love to elevate yourself. Don't use pride. Don't use words don't use a job, don't use your money, don't use your position to lift yourself up. No, receive the love of God and watch it naturally elevate your life. Love brings out the best in people. It tends to make us grow. It tends to make us respond. When I know that I'm loved, 
hey, I'll cut the lawn. When I know that I'm loved, hey, I, I will deliberately spend time with those who love me. When I know that I'm loved and appreciated, I love and appreciate back. When I know that I'm loved by this high God, this incredible Father, this wonderful God in heaven, I want to become wonderful. I want to become holy like He is holy. I want to think like He thinks. I want to do the things He likes doing when I'm responding to God's love. And let me tell you something. You can't respond to the perfect love and not grow up and not elevate and not be better and not grow in your life. Love brings out the best in you, and the best kind of love will bring out the very best of you. When people know that they loved and believed in, they respond to that. When you know you are loved, you want to give of your very best. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, to love at all is to be venerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies, little luxuries, addictions. Avoid entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, your heart will change. It will not be broken anymore. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside heaven where you can perfectly be safe from all the dangers of love is hell itself. You see, when we give of our heart to something, it will be broken, it will be hurt, and you will have to be vulnerable. But that's God's point. He says, when you are vulnerable with my love, I will never hurt you. And I will never break you. The only way that we are ever going to get away from the benefits of God's love is in hell itself. You see, a life devoid of God's love is probably being built on a premise of what you've experienced on this earth as love. You've probably built your perception of what God thinks of you based on what your father thinks of you, what your mother says of you, what your uncles told of you, what that abuser did to you. You've now transcribed that vision of what love is onto the father's love. And so you might be waiting, holding back, not wanting to be vulnerable, not wanting to get hurt. You've slowly started to cave in. You've slowly started to withdraw in this divine world, in this wonderful world of being greater than who you are right now, stepping out in faith, walking in hope. And the reason you're not willing to step out in faith and walk out in hope, because the greatest of these is love, and therefore love is going to have the greatest effect on your life. And you see, when we start walking in that void, worrying, pushing back, stepping out of God's love, not believing in God's love, the benefits of that gift start to wane. The gift is still yours, but the benefits of the gift start to wane. The benefits of that give, gift of love will help you become noble. It will make you mature. It will grow you into something whole. 
The benefits of God's love will make you more than who you are right now. And they will pick you up and they will elevate you. Because you see, God's love is not going to hurt you. You're thinking it's going to hurt you because love of others has hurt you in the past. Well, you see, the love of others is not the same as the love of God. The love of God is perfect, is promoting you, and is picking you up. And finally, the, the best thing about all of this is that it starts looping around back to faith, back to your kickstart. You see, love overcomes. God's love always overcomes. And if I can overcome, I'm willing to step out. If I'm willing to step out, I'm willing to walk it out. If I'm willing to walk it out, I'm willing to get up tomorrow. And so this faith, hope, and love journey starts kicking into play. Love will always, always overcome. And we're going to unpack the scripture of Romans chapter 5 in greater detail next session. But I wanted to read this with you now. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop what? Endurance. And endurance develops what? Strength of character. And strength of character builds what? It strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. You can be vulnerable with this hope. You don't have to cower away from this hope. No, it will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God, what? How dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to what? Fill our hearts with love. And so we come full circle. You have been filled for a purpose. You have been filled by God with love because you're worth it. You have been filled with love of God to do something with your life. It is the only source of motivation to get up, stand up, keep going, pressing on, and going onwards and upwards, because the greatest of these is love. You see, when we receive and we say to ourselves, we're good to be filled up with the love of God, watch our lives fill up with all of the things, all of the hope, all of the faith, all of the endurance, all of the ignition, all of the power, if we accept that we are good enough right where we are to be loved. And so as we come to the end of this message, we understand, as we embark in understanding that God has not given us love because He expects something higher than we can deliver from us. No, He has given us love because He knows, He expects that love to change you for the better. And you will see that improvement in your own life. I have. When I got over the, the inability to forgive myself for all the wrongs I'd done, when I actually opened that glass up, my heart up to the source of love, my life began to change. It didn't change once off and that was all I had to do. No, I had to constantly be positioned under that source of love so that my life could continue as a journey to grow and improve and get better at. And I'm still on that journey just like you. You see, when we receive God's love, things will change for the better. Put aside the guilt. Put aside the condemnation. Put aside all the one-liners that your parents told you that you would never be or that you would always be. And let God be in your life. And I know that through that love, 
you will have the faith and the hope to go and to do more, to be more, and to worship Him even more than what you're doing right now. Let's pray together as we get ready to celebrate this love in our lives through the expression of what we call communion. Father God, we thank you for your love. We bask in your love, not because of any other reason, but just to let you know that we are willing to change and be more like you. We love you, and we want to show you that we love you. Not because we're going to get love when we show you. No, we want to show you because you loved us even when we didn't even know who you were. Father, help us find your love in every aspect of our lives, in our addictions, in our strongholds, in our selfishness, in our, in our hurt and in our pain. Let us find your love because then we can endure all things because we know that we lo are loved by the Most High God. We're accepted by you. We call children of you because of your love and because of your grace. Thank you for all that you are. We love you. And we declare that you can be jealous about our love because you are our God and we will not allow anything else to get in the way of your love and our love of you. Father, thank you for this word. And we pray blessings on every person now who receives communion in your name. And we pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, as you know, our midweek meetings and our midweek times together here online involve something that we call communion. Now, you might know what communion means. This might be your first time that you're willing to take communion. And you might have your own picture of what communion looks like. It might need someone in a robe with, with special bread and special wine and special little biscuits and things that get said and, and special words that have to be said. Well, you know what? Communion is something that we revere but it's not a religious practice. It's something that we appreciate. It's something that we deem as holy, but it's not something that has a whole lot of rules around it. It simply means that you have to have something in this hand that represents Jesus' body and something in this hand that represents Jesus' blood. It could be a stick of gum and a cup of coffee. It could be a wafer and a glass of red wine. It doesn't matter what you use right now to accept Jesus as your love of your life. This is a wedding feast. This is a simple way of saying, I remember Jesus in my life, and I will never forget him as the love of my life. I will never forget him as the gift that changed my life. And if this is the first time you're receiving this gift, this little wafer or piece of bread or stick of gum that you have, all it represents is it represents that Jesus was real, and Jesus is going to be real in your life from this day forward. It means that he came to show off God's love. You could imagine this as a, as a small piece of wedding cake that you take away with you to remember the celebration of a wedding, of a marriage of love. This is when Jesus says, remember me. Keep remembering me. Don't you dare forget me. Don't, don't ever forget me and that I love you. Don't look left and right. Don't look at other things. I want to celebrate our love all the time. That's what this little wafer means to you and to me right now. So take eat. And know that Jesus wants you to remember his love for you. The love of Jesus would mean nothing if he said it and he didn't mean it. 
God's love for you would mean nothing if it was just, I love you, and then He never spoke to you, or He never came back to meet with you, or He never did anything with you. And so when Jesus said, I love you, and I'm willing to come and show you the love of the Father so that you can have the life that I would have for you, He wanted you to know that His word was His bond. He would never break His word. He would never, ever lie about His love for you, something we humans could never do. He promised something pure, something noble, something of good character, something beautiful. And you know what? He has lived every single day as our king trying to deliver that on our, in our lives. We get in the way of, of what he wants to do with us, but his word has never changed. And to show that his word was his bond, he was willing to shed his blood in a blood covenant to let you know that he loves you and that he always will love you. So drink this cup, drink your coffee, drink whatever you're using as communion right now and know that Jesus' I love you will never, ever change. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you for being part of not only a message, but also the communion service. If this is the first time that you raised your hand up or, or said, yes, I, I want some of that love of Jesus in my life. I've been void of that love. I've been looking at other things to get that love. And this is the first time you've ever really thought of that in your heart. Please, right now, click on the, the banner below. It's just a little banner that says, I raise my hand. It's, it's something we kind of do around in church when we respond to a message. We raise our hands. Well, you can do the same thing online, and, and no one will even see your hand go up. We'll just see that people have raised their hands. Thank you for responding. Thank you for letting us know that this message changed your life today. And I can tell you that once you accept the love of Jesus into your life, your life will continue to change. And we'd love to be part of the continue piece. We'd love to help you. We'd love to give you some resources free of charge that you can, you can just drink in, soak in, learn in, and get to know more about what it means to be loved by the Most High God. So thank you for clicking on that banner. Thank you for engaging in the chat room. We can't wait to see what the love of God is going to do in your life and the changes that He's going to make sure happen because of you loving Him and Him being now allowed by you to love you. Thank you for joining us. We love you, and we love you from wherever you are in the world. Come back again next time as we continue on this journey of faith, hope, and love. This weekend, we have a special message planned, and it's going to be an awesome time together on our weekend services. But be sure to join us again next session as we get together and complete this series entitled Faith, Hope, and Love. See you around soon.